Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another episode of Round Trippers. This is also apparently going to double as a uh, podcast for Dong City. Uh, I got the host of Dong. I've got the host of Dong City with me. I've got uh, Henry Maldonado Jr. and Vince Mercandetti with me as special guests. Thank you both for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us, brother. All right. So um, a couple, a few weeks ago, I had uh, Felipe from the uh, Total Bases podcast um, from the Baseball Life Group. Dong City is the other podcast, um, and Henry and Vince both are the hosts of that. And they spent a lot of time talking about the Yankees because they are both Yankee fans, and they've had quite a bit to say this season about Aaron Boone. Um, I haven't told them this yet, but I like to um, refer to them as like the Boone Bass Brothers because they do a lot with uh, they just like bass Aaron Boone a lot. So, I mean, can we uh, can we just officially coin that now? You guys are the Boone Bass Brothers, or I'm good with that. Yeah, the, I'm perfectly like okay the, with it. We're like the Boone S and S and M M and M Brothers too. Oh, and, uh... that works too. Yeah. You can just say the S the SMD brothers. <laughs> that too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of acronyms going on. I know. Um, no, I'm absolutely fine with that. We have uh, we are we are not friendly to Aaron Boone. That's for sure. No, you are we not. We are pretty straightforward Yankee fans, and if we don't like something, we say it. And that's that's we that's don't what do I the like. Homer thing too much. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's what I like. Um, so, and you'll catch them a lot if you. Uh, uh, go on to the baseball life group. You'll see them talk about the Yankees a lot um, along with other teams, but you will see a lot of uh, Vince's and Henry's posts be about the Yankees and how just boneheaded some of the decisions from Aaron Boone are. Um, so while we are talking about the Yankees, we might as well just get right in, uh, right into it. Um, both of you, uh, we were planning on both of you talking about the Yankees, just what are your general feelings about the Yankees, especially after getting their uh, getting their beef boys, Anthony Rendon and uh, Joey Gallo from the trade deadline, and just anything else you guys feel about talking about the Yankees at this point? So um, go ahead. Uh, let's start with uh, Vince. What's your take on the Yankees right now? You know, right now things are looking a lot – better and it's kind of this is very Yankee like you know Anthony Rizzo the big trade acquisition and he goes down I don't know like two weeks later um but they're winning anyway I mean this is just this is what the Yankees have been since really the beginning of 2019 they just nothing makes sense uh everything is completely inconsistent but right now we're on an upswing you know they've they won I think nine out of ten series now they've beaten the White Sox and Rays and Astros in that span. So, I mean, these aren't just beating up on a soft schedule, uh, leading the Angels right now. It's um, it, it's tough, Austin. It really is. It's, it's tough to stay objective. It's tough to analyze anything. Um, the team just really doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of the time. And this year, I think Henry has been the most extreme example of that. I, this team looked like one of the worst in baseball, in April and May, it could not hit. No one in the lineup could hit. Even the guys you look at the back of their baseball card, they're supposed to be carrying the lineup. They weren't hitting. And uh, and you look up now, it's mid-August. They're right in the thick of things. They seem to be just be winning consistently regardless of opponent, regardless of lineup, regardless of who's blowing games in the ninth. 
it's just, it's just, it, it's, it's crazy to answer your question. I mean, this is, I guess what you sign up for when you become a sports fan, um, it hasn't really been like that with the Yankees. This is the model of consistency. They're going on their 30th consecutive year of being above 500, which for my money is the most impressive feat in all of sports, uh, regardless of payroll and everything else. But yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's a whirlwind. It's crazy. Uh, I, I really couldn't tell you what to expect, even though I watch this team every single day. So would you say their inconsistency would probably be their downfall in this playoff push? I think that while they're pretty consistent right now winning-wise, I think if, if they're going to be doomed, it's just because of the, you know, you've got the Blue Jays and really the Mariners. I thought they'd fall off by now. They haven't. Um, they just finished beating up on the Blue Jays. You've got the Blue Jays and Mariners chasing you, and you're chasing the Red Sox and A's and Rays to a lesser extent. It's just, uh, you know, some of those teams are, are good and they're not going to make the playoffs, and the Yankees could be that. But you can make an argument they've got the biggest upside of any team that's, that's in that cluster, not counting the Rays because they've got a giant lead. But, um, you know, they've got – presumably health coming back, presumably the injuries are behind you, but you never know that if you're in New York. So it's, uh, I would see, I would say if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to just be because they've pissed away so many games this year for so many various reasons, whether it's the bullpen, lack of offense, Aaron Boone, whatever you want to say, they've just lost so many games that were easy wins and every other team in baseball has won those games. Right. Yeah, and the piggyback of what Vince is saying, I think we've been spoiled um, as Yankee fans, and, and this season is a testament to that. You know, what we're seeing is what most other fans go through, and we don't go through that usually. And, you know, we, we're stuck with the roller coaster ride that is the game. And, you know, we, we've lost games with, with Aaron Boone making some atrocious calls and, and moves that we criticize in real time. You know, it's not like we're Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking it. We, you're in the group, you're in the thread, you see us criticizing these moves in real time and saying, hey, you're bringing in a guy who's struggling or this guy, you know, is hot and you're not playing him. Whatever the case is, um, we lost what, maybe 10 games with our bullpen, you know, and, and blowing leads. I think we have four losses this season after a lead in the eighth inning. <laughs> and I think all of MLB has four and we have all four of them or something. It's just, It's a crazy number. Um, and I still like our chances right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about Tampa Bay. The, I'm probably more worried about the Blue Jays than anyone else in the AL East. Um, Tampa Bay just kind of, they, they feel like they're that band-aid that starts to come off when you wet it. And, you know, it's barely holding on right now. They, they're about to sign. Um, Dave Robertson. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. No. Um, who was it? Dave Robertson. Well, no, they just they weren't thinking. Oh no, that was the Padres. I'm thinking the Padres. I'm sorry. Oh, you're thinking the of Jake Arrieta. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Arrieta. Yeah, yeah, they're signing uh, Dave, uh, Dave Roberts, which is a desperate move. I mean, with the guys that the the Rays pull out of their their minor league system, you're telling me there's not someone better than Dave Roberts that they can go to, you know, on the cheap, and just call up. So it's just a move of desperation to me. Um, I'm not afraid of the Rays. I'm not afraid of the Red Sox, even though they've owned us this year. I think where the Rays, Red Sox are on the trajectory and where we are, we're just on different planes and we're playing much better baseball than they are right now. It, it's 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 us in Toronto in my eyes right now. And, and you know, the AL West, the, the race is getting tighter. And, and Oakland, you know, they, they don't want to stop losing. You know, they cut, they, they cut that Astros lead and, you know, then they slump a little. And then you know, they seem to be in that one to two game 
back range. So it's going to be interesting, but, uh, but I like the Yankees chances here. Yeah. Especially with the AL East counterparts there on the Yankee side, the uh, you know, the, like you were saying, the Red Sox are not really doing well right now. They're tanking and the Blue Jays were just got beat up by the Mariners and you know, the best team right now in that AL East is looking like the Yankees. So it'll be a really, really tight race. Um, coming down to the end here at the playoff push. Uh, what do you guys feel about the future down there in the farm system? I know you guys have been looking at the farm system for the, uh, I love our farm. I mean, I'm Vince and I are both really high on our farm. Um, we're probably high on some guys that, you know, aren't the household names that probably are the Yankees. Everyone knows about Jason Dominguez and some of the other guys, but I mean, we're loaded. We, we just gave up uh Duran in the trade for Gallo, which, probably hurt more than any other trade we made and he wasn't a top 15 prospect so I'm, I'm kind of happy we reloaded we we put some guys in our lineup that um we desperately need and, and we we barely gave up anything of significance in our farm you know we, we're strong up the middle and in, in the infield we have some young guns coming Luis Hill has uh we knew he was a big arm but you know his first two starts have been absolutely amazing there's no reason that we should see Andrew Heaney anymore but I believe he's still he's getting the start soon so yeah, I like what we have coming up for reinforcements within the next few years. Yeah, as an Angels fan, I'd like to say Andrew Heaney is your problem now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an understatement. Uh, he's like he's like watching. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. You remember Henry Chase Whitley? He's like watching Chase Whitley oh, over and over oh, again. <laughs> Just uh, he, he's the pitcher who went into Fenway Park, gave up four home runs in a row, lost that game, and he was never seen again. Um, you know what's frustrating about Heaney, at least in, in the three starts with the Yankees, it's like one bad inning, and then he he's like, okay, he's figured it out, and then yeah. there's the bad inning again, then he's good, and then there's the bad, and I'm like, just, just get him the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's that's that was the problem when he was on the Angels too. He was very inconsistent, and he'd have that one or two bad innings, and then he'd figure it out later in the game, and you're like. Where was that in the first and second inning? And sometimes yeah. it wasn't even in the first and second inning. He'd have a bad second inning, and then he'd have a bad fifth inning. And you're like, dude, what the heck? There's just this consistency is not there. It blows my mind, you know, baseball as a sport. You can look at a guy like Andrew Heaney. If you watch Andrew Heaney pitch, to me, he's got three out pitches. I mean, his stuff is good. Mm -hmm. He just – his command – is so bad sometimes that literally every mistake he makes is hit at least 350 feet. Um, that annoys me. That triggers me way more as an avid baseball fan than anything else. Because then you look at a guy like Nestor Cortez, right? He just pitched yesterday for the Yankees against the White Sox. That guy does not throw more than 90 miles per hour. In, this, in, in modern baseball, that is very slow. Uh, he's got no out pitches in my mind. But he'll throw <laughs> he'll paint every single corner there is he'll make up corners to paint he's got four different arm slots he changes the timing of his delivery he's as crafty as it gets and he gets major league outs you just look at the the dearth of talent between those two guys really that's something that baseball has i don't think you see a lot in other sports you're not going to see a quarterback in football who can't throw uh, who's who's going to be a good quarterback yeah. uh, or a guy who could throw it, you know, 80 yards downfield and is, is a terrible quarterback. I mean, it, it happens a little bit, but that's really what I look at. Haney's one of those guys, James Paxson was the same way. We just saw him who, for whatever reason, when things get bad, they just, he can't get back on the tracks. 
but then you see four dominant innings out of him afterwards. And you're like, what the hell? We're, we're down four runs because of that inning. And now all of a sudden he's eating innings. And you look at it and you're like, all right, is he going to be good next start? Like he finished strong. And it's the same thing over and over again. So he's very frustrating to watch. Um, to answer your question about the, the same problem. We had the same opinion. Yeah, that's that's probably who he is. We it's a dime a dozen. You see plenty of guys who have good stuff, and they maybe the stuff is not you know up there that's good, or maybe they just have commander control issues. But um, to answer your system, the Yankees. To answer your question, the the Yankees farm system is really intriguing to me because it's deep, um, and that's not the same as highly ranked. That's not the same as has a bunch of superstars in it, but it's deep. And when you're a contender every year like the Yankees have been there in this World Series window, right, at least through next year. That, to me, is the most important thing. Like, that, to me, is how teams like the Cardinals stay afloat every year. It's not having eight one top 100 prospects. You're, you're not going to have that unless you've been shitty at some point. Um, <laughs> the Padres had it. They, they were bad for a while. Uh, you know, the Rays, obviously – they're maybe an exception to the rule, but everyone else, like the, the White Sox were terrible for a while. They had this great farm system. Yankees might only have a few guys who are top 100, but they have a lot of guys who can contribute at the major league level. And this year in particular, you're seeing that example. We just had, we gave away, I think, eight rule five eligible guys at the deadline for free trades. And they still have two or three more they have to protect um, and you still have a farm system that I think personally, when you look up opening day next year, they're going to have at least five top 100 prospects. Yeah. So it's a, it's a deep farm system. I know Yankee prospects can be overhyped and Henry and I are usually the first ones to underhype them. <laughs> you know, we'll put guys like Flor. I never liked guys like Florial or Frazier and I was the first one to say it. Um, but there's, it, it works both ways. You also get these guys like Anthony Volpe was shit on when he was drafted. Me included. I thought he was a toolsy shortstop, a Brendan Ryan type. You can a dime a dozen. And he's, he's not. He's turned into a potential five-tool guy. Um, so it, it goes both ways. But right now, the Yankee farm system looks deep. Maybe it's not elite, but it is deep. And that could be dangerous when you're a playoff contender. Yeah, and that's, that's, yeah. One, thing that's, that's one thing I thought was really good about Brian Cashman was – you know, they got all of these – they got Anthony Rizzo, they got Joey Gallo, they got some of these bigger hitters, and they didn't give up their top prospects for it, which I thought was really well done. And they gave up some of these, you know, these relievers that weren't necessarily high cost or they weren't vital to their bullpen, but, you know, it made room for other people that they wanted to keep. So I thought it was a very good trade deadline by Brian Cashman. I liked it. I like the Heaney pickup. Uh, I like the Heaney pickup because I think he can be fixed with one simple move, and that's moving him to a, the bullpen. Yeah. You know, he relies on three pitches, his curve voice changeup and his fastball. And, and you look at his analytics, and, and I know Vince hates pitching analytics, <laughs> but, you know, there, there are things in there that you can look at that say this guy's got something. Andrew Heaney's whiff percentage, his fastball rate, his curveball spin, his chase rate are all above major league average. So to me, put him in the pen, eliminate one of those three pitches, and you make him a two-pitch pitcher, and you, you probably have something there. Yeah. Eight seasons in the, in, the, in the major leagues, he hasn't put it together as a consistent starter. I'd say try him as a reliever and see what you get there. Right. 
Yeah, I got Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that probably for different reasons. Um, yeah, I'm going to sound like a dinosaur here, but you can watch Andrew Haney and you can say, I mean, he consolidates his, his repertoire. He could be a pretty dangerous reliever. So, you know, that like I said, I, I think he's got three major league pitches in shorter sample sizes. You limit it to two and maybe you bust the third one out in desperation. That's a, that could be a weapon. And, uh, and I think absolutely he'd be in the playoff. If he was in a playoff situation, Coming out of the bullpen as a lefty, you know, big spot. I maybe it's a different story. The Yankees have about four of those guys right now in the bullpen. They they have probably more lefty relievers than anyone in baseball, if I had to guess. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it, that is one thing Cashman is good at. He can identify raw talent. Um, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But I'd rather him do that. A guy like Holmes too, right? That was another trade acquisition right before the deadline. They acquire uh, the reliever Holmes. At the time you look at it, the dude's got a five ERA on the Pirates in the NL Central. You're like, this guy sucks. They gave up Luis Sessa. You're like, what the hell? I, I, I was, what did I say? I was, From day I, one, I liked, yes. Yeah, I, Henry Henry, I From, like the Clayton. From day one, Henry looks at his game log. He said, you know what? One Really, really bad start. He gave up like I don't know six runs or whatever in one outing, um, deceiving. And he said, "You look at his stuff, and it's really good." And I had never seen him pitch. I saw him pitch, and I, I agree. I mean, he's he's got legitimate stuff. That's really what I go based on. Um, Cashman's good at that sort of stuff, and that's really what keeps the team above five hundred all this time. Even in 2013, 2014, they didn't have a lot of talent. Um, they didn't have a lot of young guys but they still were able to kind of find these pieces that contribute in some way. And right now he's got to find second and third and fourth string pieces that contribute in some way. And he's yeah. doing it. So, you know, that that's the comfort part of Brian Cashman. Yeah. Well, that's because they've lived in the next man up mentality for the last, what, three years now. They've had so many people on the IL. I mean, the angels had the same problem too, but I mean, so we feel your pain, but you know, it seems yeah. like the next man up mentality has been that, has been that way for like three years now. You know what hurts us big time? You know, a lot of fans, a lot of Yankee fans, because we're, we're, Vince and I are in a couple of Yankee groups, and Yankee fans are insufferable. <laughs> Some of these guys are fucking insufferable. <laughs> and, you know, like you have a guy that's doing good in the minor leagues, and, and right away bring him up. And, and sometimes, yeah, you want to bring him up, but we have 40-man roster problems. You have guys that, you know, we have on the 40 that if we lose, they go to other teams. They, they can become something. And so, you, you know, you're always playing chess with, with the 40-man roster, and some of these guys just aren't on the 40, and you can't just bring them up that way. Sometimes you DFA the wrong guys like we did earlier this season. And, you know, for a while we said we would have rather DFA Tyler Wade, and Tyler Wade has been quietly carrying the Yankees for two weeks. You know, So yeah. sometimes you just got to be patient and let these things play out. Right. All right, so that was that was a lot of that was a lot of information on the Yankees, and I knew you guys would put a lot of information in there because you guys are very informed fans, Yankee fans. So I really appreciate that. With and the Yankees are in the midst of a playoff push, and so what we are going to do um, is we are going to put together a, I guess predictions, I guess you want to call it, um, for this playoff push that's coming up now. I know the playoffs are still a little bit of ways away. We still got a couple months until the playoffs start, but I really think that, um, you know, we, we can make assumptions and, and we can make that anyway. Um, I'm trying to share my screen here cause I've got a, all right. It's not letting me share the screen. 
So let's see. It's usually a setting on Zoom. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it's, it yeah, I got it. I got to quit and reopen Zoom. Um, so do you guys have the Google Sheet up? I don't have it up. I could probably get it. Okay. Yeah, I think I have it up. Hold on. Let me see if I can share. Okay. Anyway, so we're gonna make uh, we're gonna make some playoff predictions. We're gonna go through each division. We're gonna talk about. Each I'm division. sorry, you have to you have to enable the the group sharing. Do I? Okay. Let's see. Should be share, and then it says enable participants. Enable participants. I don't know where that is. Uh, oh wait, it's right. It's a little drop down menu. It says share screen. There you go. Nice. You guys got it? You guys can see it? Yep, I can see it fine. Awesome. Okay, so now I got it up. My uh, technology brain kicked in, and now I, now I figured it out. Um, so it's, it's hard after a long day of work. When you've been working on the technology, you go and your brain wants to quit. Um, so, like I said, we're going to go through each division, and we're going to talk about each division a little bit. And uh, Henry, Vince, and I are going to predict which people or which teams are going to win each division. And then we are going to pick our wild card winners as well. Um, let's start with the AL West. So in the AL West, we have uh, Houston leading right now, two and a half games ahead of Oakland. And then you have Seattle eight games behind. The Angels are in a distant 12 games behind, which is very disappointing for me. And the Rangers are in the basement at 28 and a half games behind. So uh, let's start with uh, Henry. Henry, what do you think of the AL West and who do you think is going to win it? I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction here. And I'm not going to do that with everything, but I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction and say Oakland catches Houston. Okay. So I've got that on there. Um, so you think the Astros are going to falter here in the, at the end there, huh? Yeah, part of it is I think they, you know, I think they slow down a bit and part of it is hate. Okay. <laughs> uh, just being honest exactly <laughs> uh that's that's good oh i got that on the wrong one uh vince who do you what do you think of the al west and who do you think is going to win you know what my i obviously henry and i did the prediction show um i picked oakland the preseason i'm gonna actually stick with houston much to my disgust um only because I feel like Houston has sort of reached that point, sort of like the Dodgers too, where they've been in the thick of things and the you know they've gone deep into the playoffs so often and so recently. I think they kind of coast, and that division gets close. And it's like Henry mentioned earlier, division gets close, and then it's like Houston wins nine out of ten. They take it back a couple games, and like it gets close again. Houston wins nine out of ten. They take back a couple games. I just don't see that. I don't see a reason to pick against them. Oakland's only two and a half back. That's by no means insurmountable. Um, they are a team that can get white hot, uh, but I just don't see a reason that they're going to flip-flop. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll go with Houston there. It wouldn't surprise me, obviously, if Oakland did win the division, but I, I'm going to stick with the Astros. I don't see a reason to pick against them. I, I will say Oakland is two and a half out, and in the last 10 games they've gained three games, so – possible yeah no they were like six and a half out uh yeah i mean i think like i think at the all-star break they were like six and a half or seven out so they, they're definitely making up ground it's just i i don't know you know they could make up nine games and then they might lose five so it's, it's tough 
Yeah, I've said this on the podcast before, uh, before the All-Star break, that Houston seemed to have a pretty good control of the ALS. But, yeah, Oakland has been catching up, and I've seen Oakland play. And it's just really inter- – Oakland is really interesting because they don't have any lights-out pitchers that, you know, are names that are, are going to blow you away. But their pitching staff is, is pretty good. Um, their offense, you know, they, they get it done, you know, almost every game. But, you know, I just saw Houston, and it's really tough even though, you know, everybody hates him. Jose Altuve, he seems like he's blocking out all the hate because he's got a high 200 batting average. He's, he's hitting homers. So, you know, and they, st- they got the best offense or one of the best offenses in the MLB. They got – I think their downfall is going to be their pitching staff, um, their starting pitching – their relief is pretty good, but I think their starting pitching will be a bit of their downfall. But, you know, I'm going to go with Houston as the winner of this division, but I think it's going to be really close. I, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if Oakland overtakes it, and I also wouldn't be that upset if Oakland took it over. Um, I'm just going to remind you both that Jose Altuve is below his career averages in every statistical offensive category. So I'm just going to remind you of that. Like I will remind you about Nolan Arenado. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Altuve is better than he was last year. I, you know, he's getting older. I'll, I'll give him that. Not saying but, a lot. Look, I did say, I did say yeah. last year he would have his worst statistical season and he went out and he did just that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not that hard to be better than he was last year. Yeah, yeah he was. No, I mean, for sure. He was awful last year, so um, all right. Let, now that we have that, we have two for Houston, one for Oakland. We're going to move to the AL Central. So in the AL Central, we've got uh, Chicago with a firm lead. They're ten games ahead of Cleveland, and then it, there's really much. There's really not much to talk about after that. You have Detroit, Minnesota, and Kansas City. The only one with a winning record is Chicago. I think this is a pretty easy division to predict here, but we're going to go through all of it, uh, Vince. Let's start with you. you. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, let's. Uh, I'll start by saying this: Minnesota Twins, most disappointing team in baseball this year. I don't think it's close. Uh, even if the Yankees didn't make the playoffs, even if the Braves for some reason don't make the playoffs, I'd still feel that way. You just can't be 14 games under 500 and be a potential division winner um, in the preseason. And that's what the Twins. That that's how you define the Twins. So I'll start with that. That kind of defines the AL Central too. The Indians were that other sexy team who could have challenged the White Sox. They're now under 500. I'm putting the hex on this one. I did it last year with the Central teams across the board. Uh, I said, look, the AL Central and AL Central doesn't matter who wins them. They're terrible teams. It's not. They're not good divisions. And sure enough, not a single victory <laughs> from either Central division last year in that shorter sample size. This one have a much larger one. White Sox are going to win it. Uh, that's obvious. Um, but the AL Central now only, I'm saying, I, I don't take them seriously. I'm sorry. They haven't. They have not convincingly beaten a single great team this year. And the Yankees took five out of six, and both times were pretty depleted. So it's you know, and the Yankees aren't even the best team in their own division. So uh, I just I don't I don't take the White Sox seriously. I like them. I like watching them play. I think they they're a good product. But I don't see them making – they've shown me no reason to think they can go any further than winning this division, unfortunately. So I'll add that disclaimer. But, yeah, the White Sox are going to win the division. Henry? I think you can just hit Command-C and Command-V across the board for the White Sox here. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, 
I will say the White Sox and Yankees series was pretty entertaining. Um, the Field of Dreams game was just a home run, pun intended, from beginning to end. Um, and the Yankees was one Tim Anderson, probably best play of his career to date, swing away from sweeping the White Sox again. Um, and, you know, I don't watch the White Sox as much as I watch the Yankees when I do. You know, you have those those big names and those young, exciting players. But there's a lot of, you know, from watching them up close, there's a lot of holes in, in that team game. And, and I'm not sure that they're ready to hang with some of the other teams in, in the playoffs. So I'm going to pick them to win the division. But but like Vince, I'm not necessarily sure um, they're going to be that juggernaut in the playoffs that, that I probably thought they would. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think the I think the main problem is their depth. After Tim Anderson, after Jose Abreu, after all these guys, and they've had all these guys hurt. And after that, they really don't have anybody like the Yankees that can step up and take it over and carry that team until their stars come back. Once they're gone, they're gone. That's it. So, and the fact that they can't perform with teams under five hundred or with teams over 500, that is a problem because everybody that's going to be in the playoffs is going to be over 500. So, you know. um, You bring up an interesting point, Austin. We were talking about farm systems. The the White Sox elite guys have absolutely panned out. You know, I'm a big Eloy guy, Robert. Those guys are studs. There's no getting around it. Uh, Watching them play, you're fearful every time Jimenez is in the box, he's going to kill the ball. Um, those secondary prospects that we talked about, you know, as a compliment to the Yankees firm system have really not panned out for the White Sox hitting wise. They've gotten, you know, Garrett Crochet great out of the bullpen. Um, you know, they've got a, a few relievers there who maybe have panned out, but those hitters have not, you're right. They don't have the depth. And even in the lineup right now, Grandel is obviously out. He'll be back. Uh, he's a lot better than Zach Collins, but even the depth of that White Sox lineup, you're still probably a hitter short, which I didn't expect. I, you know, you this team is so known for their offense, you expect it to be this juggernaut lineup, and it's like, yeah, they pretty much pressured the Yankees the entire series offensively, but they could disappear for periods of a time in a game, and the lineup's not that deep at the back of it. Um, rotation, I, I know they've got the best pitching in the AL statistically, but the rotation doesn't have a Garrett Cole. It doesn't have a Chris Sale when he's healthy. It doesn't have that guy to me. Rodon's had a great year, but this is his first full year in years. I don't know what he's going to have in the playoffs. And that bullpen is fantastic, I think. And this is the one path the White Sox have to me. If Tony LaRusa goes back to his vintage roots with the Cardinals and A's and just leans on those relievers to make up for the starters, and he can do it. He's a very crafty guy like that. They've got a chance to kind of mix and match their way into good enough pitching where if the hitting does struggle for a game or two, you know, they can make a run. But I don't think they will. I picked them for the wild card before the season started because usually, unless you're the Chicago Cubs, um, that second year a team arrives usually is a step back. And in my mind, the White Sox probably arrived last year. This year I expected them to take a little bit of a step back. And really the reality is they haven't really taken a step back, but they also haven't taken that step forward. And that's kind of how I see them. Right. I will tell you that, that that bullpen was supposed to be the big bad wolf and the Yankees touched up every big arm and every big spot of that bullpen this weekend. 
Yeah, Liam Hendricks is garbage, man. <laughs> I know he. I know he closed out the All Star game, but geez, he. I mean, he got like, he got touched up. Kimbrough got touched. Every every big arm they threw at us at every big spot got touched up, and you know those yeah. players remember that come come playoff time. Crochet and uh, and Kopik to me were in probably because they're both might be starters in the future, but they uh, they were the most impressive arms out of that bullpen, and they weren't used in high leverage situations. Like a, a couple a couple of thousand fans in West Bubblefuck with a shitload of cornfields isn't the same as fifty thousand screaming fans in the Bronx. It's just not the same. Absolutely yeah. true. No, yeah, it isn't the same. So I'm kind of in, I'm. I'm with, I'm of the same opinion. I they're going to win the division, but I think they'll be out in the first round because they just they won't be able to take it because everybody that's going in there is going to be above 500 and they don't have the depth. When you get in there, you need to have the depth everywhere. Pitching, hitting, you need to have the depth everywhere and they don't have it really anywhere. So, and not only not only that, you look at the the wild card teams, I mean, every single team that's vying for a wild card spot you know, they, they can match up really well with the White Sox. Yeah. Yeah, and consider this. They are tied for the fourth best record in the AL. So, I mean, you look at it that way. You know, yeah, they're running away with the Central. They're 10 games up. They've got a good record. But if you couple the fact that they're playing mostly crappy teams in the Central, you know, they're beating up on their own division. And then you add to the fact that it, even then they have the, you know, the Rays have a better record. The Astros have a better record. The A's have the same record. And then, uh, and Boston's still better than them. Uh, they'd be third or fourth in the AL East. That's really how I see it. it. It's not being biased. That's just how it is. And if they were playing those AL East teams all year round, who knows? <laughs> they could be fourth. They could be closer to 500. So and I have no reason point. to think they're going to beat juggernauts. To Austin's point, they're they're sixteen and twenty one against teams over five hundred. It's not yeah, good. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Uh, you know, we've seen miracles happen before, but there's nothing that indicates to me this team's ready to uh, to make an ALCS and certainly not win an ALCS. No. First of all, just to, to give you an idea of how shitty of the quality of teams that they're playing, you look at their record against teams over five hundred at sixteen and twenty one. The number of games that they've played against teams over 500, it's significantly lower than te- the other teams that are leading their divisions or, or competing in their divisions. Just yeah. the sheer number of games of teams that, that have that played over 500. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of comparing them against the AL East, we're going to move to the AL East. And when you look at the White Sox, the White Sox, if they were in the AL East as of right now, they would be, uh, looks like, second, third. pretty close to third. Yeah, and they would be right up there with Boston. They'd be right in yeah, between third. and York. So, uh, third, third with the Yankees chasing their ass, who just kicked their ass. Yeah, yeah, it would be really close. Uh, so let's move to the AL East. The AL East is very competitive. Unlike the AL Central, we got four teams over 500, and uh, really four teams that are chasing for a playoff spot. You have Tampa Bay leading the way at 71 and 47, three games three games ahead of Boston, and then the Yankees are five and a half games out of first, and Toronto is seven and a half games out of first. And then Baltimore is tanking once again, 32 games behind. So this should be a very, very interesting division all the way up to the end. Um, you know, I think I'm going to – I'll start with this one. I, I'm going to stick with I think Tampa Bay wins the division, but it will be very, very close between – Tampa and New York, I think Boston has kind of run its course, and I think they showed up probably a year early. Um, so I think 
like I said, Tampa is going to win, but it'll be very, very close between Tampa and New York. Uh, Vince, what do you got to say about the AL East? I actually agree with all of your reasoning. Uh, I also agree. I think, I think the Rays will hang on. I, Henry brought up good points, you know, and they're all perfectly valid that he, um, you know, they're, uh, there's no reason to think that the Rays are going to hold on to first. They're totally, you know, they're banged up. They don't have the depth they had. They don't basically have no rotation at this point. Um, but I, I have no reason to doubt their kind of magic that they have. Here's my concern with the Yankees. And I do think that the Yankees will make the playoffs at this point. I don't think they're going to win the division. And my concern is that Boston, I actually think may not disappear. And this is not a standpoint that I had, if you asked me like a week ago, um, they did just sweep Baltimore for what that's worth, which is not much. They always do that. But you look at Boston's schedule, <laughs> the rest of this month, and really it's not that much harder uh, in September, their schedule alone this is a team that could still beat bad teams. Their schedule alone might keep them afloat. Maybe not ahead of the Yankees, two and a half games there. Obviously, they're about to play. That could change things if the Yankees actually win that series. But um, Boston's schedule might keep them afloat, even with the pitching. Maybe Chris Sale looked okay. Uh, everyone making a big deal out of six innings, two runs against the Orioles. I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if that's a lot to write home about. Yeah, I thought uh, it, was it was decent. Just, I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was Yeah, decent. eight strikeouts, fine, but it's the Orioles. Um, yeah. And I think Boston scored like 300 runs that game, so you're not pitching on much <laughs> – not a lot of stress pitches that game. But, uh, yeah, I, Boston could win the division just based on that. I do agree with you, though. They're a year early. They have shown tremendous signs of regression, especially with the pitching. Uh, and their hitters really haven't done great against good pitching teams – but there's not a lot of those left on their schedule except for within the division. Uh, and part, a big part of that within the division is the race. So to me, you're either picking the race to beat up on Boston, and knock them out, or you're picking Boston to stay afloat. If you think the Rays are going to fall apart, it's really hard to pick against both and pick the Yankees. So that's kind of what my conundrum is. I think the Rays will hold on. They've got a three game lead over Boston who I don't trust that much five and a half over the Yankees, which is kind of large. So I'm sticking with Tampa basically in a math equation is what I'm saying. Yeah, Tampa is that thorn in your side. Um, Boston is either they suck or they're really good. So it's really weird to yeah. see that that they're that they've been really good and now they're kind of falling off. Usually when they're really good, they're really good. But Tampa lately has been that thorn in the side, much like Oakland is the thorn in the side that really you can't never get away from them, and you don't know why they're so good, but they they stay up top. So, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, Henry, what do you think about the AL East? Before I continue, you see my background and how dark it got in less than 30 minutes? Yes. That's this fast, is why yeah. I will never move to upstate New York. <laughs> it sounds like I'm in a Brazilian rainforest. I'm probably going to get killed by someone participating in the purge at any moment. <laughs> this is why I will never move upstate. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Henry right now is in the Catskills. Uh, so, yeah, right now it is pitch dark. Uh, where he's at so yeah, there's, there's no black screen this is literally the background <laughs> but wild. um and when we you guys saw how bright it was when we started yeah uh, but I, i'm actually going to give tampa bay the respect that they deserve here um you know they, they're they're running on fumes but you know they, they've earned this respect they've they've been there all year they did it the year before they did it the year before that and 
they found a way to make it work, and that's what they do. Um, you know, if it comes down to a close matchup, I, I like Kevin Cash more than I like Aaron Boone. You know, that'll, you know, gain you a game or two. Um, I'm going to give Tampa Bay the respect that they deserve and say that they probably win the division here. All right, so yet another unanimous decision. We've had two unanimous decisions. Now we've uh, done the division winners for the AL. We're going to move to the NL now. Let's move to the competitive NL West. So this one is a very interesting division as well. Right now you have San Francisco, who's gotten a bit of a lead right now, playing like the best team in baseball. They haven't gone away yet, which I didn't see coming. Um, San Francisco is four games ahead of the Dodgers, and then they're 10 games ahead of San Diego. So very much so at the beginning of the year, you thought there were going to be three playoff teams coming out of the – or two playoff teams coming out of the NL West with – the Dodgers and the Padres and then the Giants came out of nowhere so then it started to become the idea that three of them were three playoff teams are going to come out of the NOS now San Diego has seemed to fallen out a bit and is tapering off but Tatis came back and I mean he came back played the outfield kudos to him and he hit two homers with that shoulder problem whatever he's got I still don't see him lasting throughout the whole season he'll probably hurt it again um, because he doesn't have surgery with it. But, I mean, it's really hard to bet against the Giants right now, but the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're a juggernaut. So, I mean, Henry, what do you think about the NOS right now? You asked me last year, if you asked me the year, before the season started, there's no way we even, we're even having this discussion, right? It's a two-team race, and, and you know, I, I think I had two of them pegged for 100 wins this year, and, and lo and behold, the Giants are winning the division – Giants have been ahead in the division most of the year. You know, they've done a good job at the trade deadline. They're scoring runs. They're, they're pitching is keeping teams down. They're, they're clutch against teams over 500. They're killing it at home. They're 40 and 18. I'm, I'm, you know what? I think the nicer story is the Giants, you know, winning this division. No one saw it coming. I'm going to say they hold off. All right. I'm going to put San Francisco on there. Vince, what, is your, what are your opinions on the NL West? Yeah, I'm actually, it's come down to schedules for me just because it's, the Giants have been so shocking. You know, we we tend to, as fans, focus on the bad, right? The Yankees were surprisingly bad for the whole first half of the season. The Twins are a disappointment. The Braves are a disappointment. The Mets and Padres now are a disappointment. Um but we don't really focus on teams like the Giants all that often until they do the job. And one of those reasons is because it's so shocking what they're doing. Uh, it, you want to talk about the Red Sox being a year early. The Giants might be two or three years early <laughs> based on, on the way that they were supposed to be rebuilding. They never really rebuilt either. There's, they kind of pulled the Yankees, right? The Yankees rebuilt for two months. Um, they went from the oldest team in the majors to all of a sudden having this World Series caliber core. Uh, the Giants maybe have done it in even more impressive fashion because they're a juggernaut in, in what was going to be the toughest division in baseball. I don't think you can say that now. But, yeah, I, I mean, the Padres have – the Padres have probably had the season the Giants were supposed to have. Um, if you looked in April, you know, Giants got off to a hot start. You're like, all right, well, they're off to a hot start. Run differential is not as good as Padres and, and Dodgers. They're going to probably taper off, but it was a nice run. They have something to build on. And the Padres did that instead. <laughs> and they're the ones who are in third. They're the ones who are 10 games out. Uh, they're the ones who ran into some injury problems. 
And I agree with you, Austin. Tatis's injury really, really concerns me. And Henry can tell you I'm like something of an injury truther. Uh, totally predicted DeGrom, by the way, <laughs> kind of offhand, that he was going to start to run into the issues. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Those I, are for I, other so, reasons, though. Yeah, yeah, right. You just like my reason was, hey, he's in his 30s. Like shit's gonna start to happen. That's what happens. I'm in my 30s. I know how that goes. Um, I didn't think he'd like blow out his shoulder or whatever he's going through. But um, yeah, the the, the Giants. I think I, I have again. This is sort of like what I said with Houston. I just have no reason to pick against them, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna take that risk. Dodgers are four games back. I looked at the Dodgers schedule. It's really, really pretty easy. Um, and I have to be different somewhere, and it just makes the most sense. Like Henry and I said, I picked the Dodgers to win 110 games this year. Now, they did run into a lot of injuries. So they did run into the Trevor Bauer situation, uh, which no one could have seen coming, no pun intended. But um, I, uh, I'm i picking the Dodgers. I mean, that team looks like it's finally a little complete now. It looks like that schedule's in their favor. They maybe don't have to worry about the Padres at this point being six games ahead of them. Padres – I don't trust Tatis to last, like you said. So I'm going with the Dodgers, but there's nothing that would surprise me if the Giants win this division because every every step of the way, Austin, every single month, I'm like, well, you know, they've had a nice run, but you expect it to stop, and it hasn't. So can they win the division? Absolutely. Should they? Probably at this point, but I'm going to pick the Dodgers. Um, I think that the Dodgers are capable of having like a 40-8 and type of run which they've had in these last few years. So, you know, I'm banking on that, basically. Yeah, so I'm torn because I've said on the podcast before, I had a whole episode on the Giants, the enigma that was the Giants. And, you know, you're, be- you're getting your best offensive production from two people that are really in the twilight of their career and Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey. And you're getting your supplementary players that are really playing below average. They're not, you know, great hitters. And then you have the oldest pitching staff in baseball. This team is not supposed to be winning. So I don't understand how they continue to win. And, you know, I said before, the Giants will taper off. Then it'll turn into a Dodgers versus Padres. And then the they just kept winning. So, you know, it might be a little bit of a it might be a little bit of wishful hopeful thinking but i'm going to predict that the giants they stick they stick in there and they win this now do i think they're going to win the division i think they have a great chance to win the division do i think they're going to really make any sort of mark and win the world or go to the world series and win the world series no i think they're going to run into some buzzsaw teams and just i don't think they're going to do very well in the postseason but I'm going to have them winning the division and it'll be a really nice story to cover, you know, on Dong city and, and round trippers. And we'll, you know, we'll all get to talk about it. So I'm just going to pull for the story here and say that the giants are going to win the, are going to win the division. Yeah, so, I agree. That would be a better story for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, let's move to the NL central. So the NL central really is. Boring, I guess. It's really boring. <laughs> When, when you look at it, um, Milwaukee has a very firm lead over Cincinnati. They have an eight-game lead, and then Cincinnati, and then there's St. Louis at 10 games back, and then Chicago is Chicago. They've tanked, although they have a really bright future. So, again, Cub fans, stop whining and crying. This is what a, this is what a rebuild is for. And, um, Impossible Pittsburgh, for Cub fans. 
Pittsburgh and is Pittsburgh, and we're not even going to talk about Pittsburgh. Um, so let's let's get down to this. I think this is going to be another one. Both central divisions seem to be easy to predict. But Henry, what do you think about the uh, what do you think about the it's NFL? The, it's the boring Brewers, and it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's just so many boring reasons to get into, but it doesn't make sense because it's so boring. It's like, just like Milwaukee, just like St. Louis. The towns are boring. The teams are boring. The management is boring. Everything about them is boring. Milwaukee just—they're a good base. They're a good run baseball team. Um, you know, Christian Yelich. I think we're still trying to figure out what he is. You know, he goes from MVP to just disappearing. He, he's doing the Mookie bets the every other year thing. Um, yeah, it's Milwaukee, and, and that's it. What do you think their chances are going deep into the playoffs? I mean, you, you look at everyone else, and you're like, they're not going to go deep, but they always find themselves at least winning round one. So, I, I mean, every team in the NL West is better than them. I mean, maybe they can beat a team in the NL East. You know, they get a matchup against a team in the NL East, I can see them advancing. Okay. All right. Vince, what do you think? Yeah, so uh, it, it, first of all, absolutely right. I mean, this is always the most boring division, except that one year that the Pirates were like won 98 games, uh, and then they just got screwed by MLB's insistence on not reseeding for any reason. And <laughs> but uh, anyway, tangent there. It's going to be the Brewers, and the reason is exactly – Henry and I actually spent some time on this. Um, we had Melvin, another member of Baseball Life, on when we did this – when we did the division predictions – the Brewers are like the Rays light to me. They have a system in the regular season. They have a front office that stays loyal to that system. That system is preventing runs. Uh, they don't always do it with a classic, you know, trio of aces. Um, but they have a way. They, they intertwine their bullpen and rotation well. They have a couple of studs at the top of that rotation who can just shut you down any given day. And then the offense, like, does its job. I mean, the Brewers have, have – historically had some thumpers but they're not a particularly great offensive team to me and they're not in a great division I mean they like Henry said both geographically and baseball wise the central is just so boring um <laughs> it's, uh, I mean I've been to most of those stadiums too and I'll actually be going to Milwaukee next month it's just it, it's it's a really boring area of the world um but yeah, I mean, Brewers are going to win this division. They've got the division lead to show it. They know how to win in the regular season. As far as where they go in the playoffs, it's a little more interesting than usual, only because you know that the NL the NL West is going to get the top seed, right? So they're going to play the wild card, which will also be the NL West, almost no matter how you slice it, because I think the Padres will end up playing the second-place team. So you're going to consolidate three West teams down to one by the time you get to the NLCS again, because MLB has no idea what they're doing as far as marketing the playoffs correctly. Uh, so what you're going to end up with is Brewers versus Braves probably, or Phillies either way. It doesn't really matter. And in that case, now you're talking about the Phillies who have zero playoff experience against a team who's repeatedly been in it in recent memory. Or the Braves, who are like the biggest choking team in the history of the world in the NL. So, in my mind, I think the Brewers have a good shot at the NLCS by default, even if I don't think they're that great of a team. And that pitching is built for a short series. So, I think they're probably – this is one of those things where they might win in, in five games in the NLDS, and then they'll lose in five games in the NLCS. Would not shock me at all. Yeah, I, I agree 
with you. Uh, I have Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee's going to win this division. There isn't anybody that's going to challenge them. I mean, Joey Votto's been on a tear, but the rest of Cincinnati is not. So, I mean, they're going to run away with the division. They've got the pitching to go into series, you know, to go into the series. They've got, you know, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and those guys. But, you know, I think, I think they're kind of like the Mets light, except they keep winning because they don't, they have great pitching, but they don't have any offense and they can't give their pitching run support. So, you know, yes, pitching does win championships, but you also got to score enough runs. So if you're not scoring runs, you're not winning any games. So I, I, I think I agree with you guys. I think they will advance one round, but I think they won't get past the championship series once they run into the Dodgers or, you know, somebody like yeah, that. Anyone in, in the West. Like Henry said, they wouldn't beat anyone in the West. And by default, they're going to face one in the NLCS. So, yeah. so uh, with our final predictions for the division winners, we're going to go to the NL East. The NL East has become – very weird in the last you know week and a half two weeks or so train with, wreck yeah it's an absolute train wreck all of a sudden the new york mets have just fallen off the wagon here they're you know jacob de is nowhere to be found you've got noah Syndergaard, who where he is nobody knows where he's at and you know you've a makeshift pitching staff that was good at the beginning but now is no longer in any existence and you still don't have an offense that can produce anything javier baez was not the get that you were supposed to he strikes out a lot so he wasn't going to improve the offense any so you have a low scoring offense and a and a terrible and a patchwork pitching staff so they fall into third after leading the division for most of the time right now you have the atlanta braves in first and the philadelphia phillies on the strength of a quietly very good mvp season by bryce harper it, they're a game behind, and then the Mets are two and a half games behind. And then Miami is 11 games behind, and Washington is in the middle of their rebuild at 12 games behind. So let's, let's talk about this NL East a little bit. Um, Henry, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I, I think this division is, is an enigma. Um, I will give the Mets pitching staff a little more credit than you there. I, I think that pitching staff is the only reason that they're still in it at this point. Um, the Mets pitching staff is actually – allowed the least number of runs in that entire division. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy because the Braves are in first, right? The Braves have allowed 503 runs. They're the only division leader in all of baseball that has allowed more than 500 runs scored. Um, now, you look at the Mets, like I said, the only reason they're in it is because of their pitching. The Mets have only allowed 468 runs scored, but they've only scored 443. So. They, they can't score for anything. And that's, you have guys like Pete Alonzo and, and Francisco Lindor who's disappeared all season. Uh, you know, the Mets, I, I just, the rest of their schedule and, and their injuries, they're, they're just a giant question mark. If they could get healthy fast, you know, I, they could be dangerous. But I, I, with that schedule they have, I, I think the Mets are about as good as done, which sucks because I think I had them going to the World Series in my prediction show. Um, I'm going to go with the Phillies here. I, I think I like the Phillies coming on late um, and stealing that division. Um, I, I'm not impressed with anyone in this division. And I think whatever team comes out on top is just prime for a first round upset, no matter who they face. All right. Uh, Vince, go ahead. Yeah, it was well said. I, 
the Mets, again, I mean, this, you can spin it however you want. This was a really disappointing season if the Mets don't make the wild card in my mind. You had you stole the show in the offseason. You had the new ownership, all of the goodwill uh, to this franchise, which has just not had a lot of goodwill really this century. Um, and now all of a sudden you're looking, and this is a team that legitimately could fall under 500. I really, it's surprised. I would not have expected that no matter what was going to go wrong. You know, every team has injuries. Mets have had their share for sure. I just wouldn't have expected their floor. And I should have because they're the Mets, right? Like just historically you expect just, it's going to be so much worse than you think it is. Um, But I didn't, I I really thought they were turning a corner. The new ownership was going to be Juju. Instead, another psychological lesson here, Henry and I very privately have talked about, the power of the trade deadline, even if you don't get guys who make major impacts, just going for it in the right way can catapult the team mentally. You're seeing it with the Yankees. Like I said, Anthony Rizzo, fantastic for a week. He's now hurt. Joey Gallo did nothing until this past week. Um, the Yankee and Haney has been terrible. So the main guys that the Yankees got at that deadline really haven't made a major, major impact, but just the psychology of going for it can sometimes make a team get really hot. I think you're seeing that with the Braves and Phillies. I think that they both decided we're not going to fold. This division's winnable. Even after Acuna goes down for the Braves, you know, the Phillies have kind of just neither been here nor there. Um, I think either one of it, it's a total toss up to me, by the way, as far as Braves, Phillies, but I do think it's between those two. I don't think the Mets have any shot. Um, I want the Phillies to win really badly because I love Joe Girardi and I, I just, I don't think he nearly gets the credit he deserves. He had just a historically terrible bullpen uh, and he has made it work. Now he's got some reinforcements. They have pretty good rotation. I don't think it gets talked about enough the front of that rotation, what it's capable of. Um, I'm rooting for the Phillies. I think I'm going to stick with the Braves just metrics wise They've got the bats, uh, even without Acuna. Austin Riley has kind of been carrying the torch very quietly over there. Freddie Freeman's been an MVP since, like, May. Um, I'm going to stick with the Braves just based on experience, based on offense usually is what carries you in the regular season more so than anything, unless you're the Brewers or Rays. So I'll lean Braves, but if the Philly, it's a toss-up. I mean, Phillies win, they're only a game out. It doesn't surprise me, and I'm rooting for them. But I'll pick the Braves, and I, the one team I'm sure about is the Mets are not going to win that division. I just have a note real quick. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, something I want to say about the NL East. The only division that every single team is sub-500 against teams over 500. The oh, only wow. division. That is a good stat. That, that, and that is the a other. Good- the, the other wonderful thing is Gabe Kapler in San Francisco, Joe Girardi, probably the two leading vote-getters for manager of the year. Both guys run out of where they were, one replacing the other one. And it's going to probably come down to those two guys for manager of the year. That should be fun. Right. Yeah. So this division, like I said, is very weird the last two weeks. And I didn't have Atlanta going to the playoffs because they just they didn't seem like they had the firepower, and now they're leading the division, and they're in position to make the playoffs. But the Phillies are – I'm not going to say they're really good, but they're quietly starting to put it together. Like I said, Bryce Harper has had a very quietly good season, and you know he could be in the conversation for MVP when it's all said and done. And 
you're looking at quietly they had some good they had a good trade deadline in acquiring Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy to solidify the back end of that bullpen and just gain another starter you know to couple with you know Aaron Nola has good starts he's kind of inconsistent right now but Zach Wheeler you know has been doing very well you know this, this one is a toss-up for me um I think with the fact that Atlanta has that experience of pushing down or making that playoff push and being it, knowing how to execute that. I'm going to have Atlanta squeaking out Philadelphia just because, you know, the only, not even Bryce Harper has playoff. The only one that has playoff experience is Joe Girardi, but he can't go out there and play. So, you know, I really think that Atlanta is going to squeak it out against Philadelphia, but you know, like like you said, Vince, I'm not going to be upset if, you know, Philadelphia wins it. And that might make a case for Bryce Harper being the NL MVP this year if that happens. You know, I'm thinking about it now. You, you could potentially run into a situation where Philly has the manager of the year, the rookie of the year, and the Cy Young. You could. And furthermore, I was thinking about it, Henry. Has any manager ever won manager of the year for two teams in the same division? I don't know, but this would also be his third manager yeah. of the year with three to third different teams. Yeah. I'm kind of, now I'm uh, kind of rooting for it now that, that it's coming. Putting <laughs> yeah. it out there. So this I, uh, another one is going to be a really good story if they win. Yeah. It, he's it doing is. it with it, former Yankees. He's got a ton of former Yankees on that team. <laughs> and, and honestly, I think the Phillies are the more complete team. <laughs> I think they're a better team than the Braves are. I just think that the Braves are better where you need to be better. Um, if that makes sense. Like they have the better Phillies talent. The, yeah, they have, they have yeah, better talent. Right, right. They've got the higher ceiling, and I guess that's really what I'm basing it. You know, when you're in a division race and you've got six weeks left, you know, that's what I'm basing it on. So, All right, so we are going to move really quickly. Let's move to the wild card before we go to last call. So the AL wild card race is pretty tight between, looks like five teams here right now, Oakland and Boston, are – are ahead or they're they have the spots right now if the season were to end today new york is two and a half games behind toronto is four and a half games behind and then you have seattle still hanging on in the picture with five and a half games behind um let's go ahead and start with uh, vince who do you think is going to capture the al wildcard spots yeah well i mean i already kind of backed myself in the corner i said they, i think the yankees make the playoffs and i picked the race to win the division so it's uh, by default i think they're one of the playoff teams but it comes down to the fact that for I'll start with this. I don't think Seattle will, I can safely rule them out. I just, if you're going to pick someone in the West, it's going to be either the A's or Astros. Seattle's not on that tier. Um, but then I look at it and I say, okay, well, Seattle is still in it. They may still stay in it. All of a sudden that West is not like a, you just pick them because they're the, it's the easier division to rack up wins against. Um, if the Yankees are going to be the second wild card, which I think they will be, I think the first wild card is going to be Toronto. I, I, I just, they scare me. Like Henry said, they, they scare me more than the Red Sox do. They scare me more than the A's do. The A's have shown a penchant. And though they hang around, they also can collapse. You know, we've seen that before. Obviously different players, but it wouldn't shock me. And I just think the Yankees have, Yankees have to catch Boston or Oakland to make the playoffs. 
Um, in this case, I think that they're going to catch both because I think the Blue Jays will end up with the other wild card spot. So I'll go Yankees, Blue Jays, but that's uh, outside of the Mariners. Any of those four teams could make the playoffs. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. That was shocking. I didn't think you would pick the Yankees and the Blue Jays. So that, that, I, that yeah. And the Blue Jays are so weird, too, right? Like, they should have, at some point, they should have won, like, 18 out of 20 games, in my mind. You look at that offense, you look at, you know, they got Berrios now, so their rotation isn't completely overachieving at this point. The bullpen has some arms. You just would think they're going to club their way to a super, super hot streak, and, and I think they did have, like, a 10-game run. Uh, and then they got swept by – or they lost three out of four to the Mariners, whatever it was. So it's just they're very, very inconsistent for what their talent level is. And they're young. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they scare me for whatever reason. Now, co- I'm going to add this caveat. I like to hedge things. Uh, COVID could really screw up the Blue Jays. So I don't, know if, I don't know what that means necessarily, but that could really screw with things. And in that case, I would pick Oakland to be the other wild card. Okay. All right. Uh, Henry. Prepared to be shocked because I had the same too, but I have the Yankees getting the first spot and the Blue Jays getting the second. I mean, wow. the Blue Jays are a dangerous, dangerous team, man. I, I see them up close. I, that team is dangerous. They have good managing, and, and they have the AL MVP. I don't care who ends up with the trophy. That is the AL MVP. I'm going to go with the Yankees and Blue Jays in that order. All right. That is – those are interesting picks. I did not see that coming. Um, I mean, the Blue Jays, they have a really young hitting core and a pretty good pitching staff. You know who I like is really underrated, I think, is Alec Manoa. I think he's uh, that dude has got really good movement on his slider. He locates the owner. really well. And, I mean, he – is it Alex or Alec? No, you said it right the first time. Okay, Alex. Yeah, Alec Manoa. I mean, he's got a really good slider, and I've watched him pitch a couple times, and that dude is filthy. So I think he's a very good bullpen or uh, starting rotation option on top of uh, Barrios. And is is Hyunjin Kim doing anything this year? I haven't really heard anything about him this year. So, I mean, they they have the pieces. I agree that I think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. I think they will, you know, club their way at, uh, to kind of steal it from Vince there, but use it for the Yankees. I think they're going to club their way into a playoff uh, a playoff run. But I don't see the blue. I see the Blue Jays just squeaking, uh, just just out of it. They'll pass Boston, but just out of it. And I have Oakland uh, making it as the other wild card um you know they're a lot like the rays they're a thorn in the side they may not necessarily go very far but they will i think they'll make the playoffs and they know how to make it there whether it's on the wild card or winning the division so you know i agree with the yankees but i'm gonna put i'm gonna put oakland down as the second wild card i would guess austin and i don't have any proof of this whatsoever i would guess if you looked at the Vegas odds right now, you're probably right. <laughs> I, I just I would just assume Yankees and A's probably have the highest percentage chance of any of the wild cards. Yeah. Just a hunch. Well, probably because also Oakland is they have the better record right now. Yeah, They're, well they are the they are the top wild card right now. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um and yeah, it's it is ballsy to pick two AL East teams just because there's four of them that are 
fighting each other right now, and there's a lot of divisional games left. But uh, I just think that cream rises to the top in this case. And not that Oakland's a bad team. I just think that the Jays are scary, and the Yankees are probably playing the best baseball out of any of the teams involved. Right. I'm the only one with Houston not making the playoffs. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. God, man, that would just be the greatest thing ever. But, uh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. You're, you're picking Houston to be out of it entirely, which I should point out, I believe means Blue Jays are going to make up, uh, like, six games on them. Does that yeah. sound right? Uh, something like that, a considerable difference. That will be That would be very interesting to see if they just tank like that. That would be really interesting to see. Yeah, um, you're still hoping that happens. <laughs> Let's uh, move really quickly to the NL wildcard race. So right now it is held up by two NL West teams. The Dodgers are the top wildcard getters by six games. And then San Diego is next. But two and a half games behind that is Cincinnati. You have St. Louis at four and a half games back. Philadelphia at five games back. And then I think the Mets are pretty much out of it. They're six and a half games back. Um, but it, right now it's looking like the NL West is going to take both wild card spots. But do you think Cincinnati or St. Louis is going to come back and take one away from San Diego? Um, Vince, we'll start with you. So preface it by saying the Reds are my favorite NL team. I, I've made no secret of that. Effective 2019, they are my favorite NL team. Um, that said, I, I think the Padres will hang on. Uh, they look terrible right now, and they've got a lot of injuries, and I get all that. Um, and they're in a tougher division, which also makes things tougher. But I do th- I, I would just be shocked. Like in a vacuum, I would be shocked if the Padres didn't make the playoffs. So you just look at the whole season, would be shocking to me. And my problem with the Reds and the reason I'm not a believer, despite that they have a lot of variables in their favor, it's just they are they haven't been consistent since like 2001. <laughs> so I just I don't know. There's nothing that indicates to me that they are going to be able to make that leap uh, when the going gets tough in September over the Padres and the Cardinals. I was shocked how close they are. Like they're really not that far out. I was uh, thinking the same thing. Yeah, they, they have that pedigree where they'd be that annoying, boring-ass team that just takes a playoff spot from someone who would be otherwise exciting. But uh, I'm still not going to pick them, though. I, I, I think the Reds are the class of the NL besides the NL Central besides the Brewers, but I'm going to stick with the Padres here. Okay, so that's a pick for the Dodgers and Padres. Henry, what do you think? It, I, sorry, I mean, it, it, it'd be Giants and Padres because I think the Dodgers win the division. Oh, yeah, that's right. It would be Giants and Padres. Yeah, and the Giants are given, so that's – my other pick. Yeah. Okay. I, I think St. Louis is hotter than we're giving them credit for, but they're also boring as hell. And I don't think that baseball on a national stage wants to see two teams from the NL Central. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers and the Padres in that order, making the two uh, wildcard teams. Making that, by the way, two divisions in the league having three teams in. Yeah, the AL East and the NL West would both have it. So plus, I mean, uh, let's be real. MLB needs and wants Fernando Tatis on the national mm-hmm. stage. If there's two guys that they want, it's Shohei Otani, who they've spent, I think, every marketing dollar they have on pushing this season. I mean, I saw an MLB post 
where they're like, oh, Shohei does it again, another quality start. And I'm like, this is what we're doing. Like, we're celebrating quality starts now. But, you know, the marketing hype is behind Otani, and it's also behind Tatis. And, and they need they need Tatis on the, on the national stage. They just need that faith. They need that energy. They need that exuberance to piss off all the boomers and to make all the millennials extremely happy. They need it, gonna... but will he make it there is the thing. He'll will his shoulder last? Look, the guy's athletic. If if they're in on it, um, he's going to play, man. That's another reason I hate upstate. All these fucking bugs. <laughs> Sorry, this is giant-ass bug just on the screen. <laughs> by the way, I was also going to shit on Austin's Angels there just by saying that uh, we can't have an, the NL Trout also just never make the postseason. So they really do need Tatis to uh, – to make it over there so they could start that, you know, narrative going forward that he's like a playoff contender. Yeah. I mean, they, they need one of the best players in the MLB to make yeah. it. Like, it's just, it's so frustrating as an Angel fan to know that you have one of the best generational baseball players of this generation in Mike Trout. And he's still only had one playoff series and they didn't do very well. So, you know, yeah, I, I mean, if you, you, you look at our, our, you know, all of our collective playoff teams, I mean, there's a lot of young stars that this game can market. Um, you know, you, you have the Aaron Judges, you know, the Nesta Cortezes of the world. <laughs> you know, the Fernando Tatis, the Mookie Betts. You know, there's a lot of a lot of star, young star power on, on these teams that they want. And you want Bryce Harper on the national stage. Bryce Harper's become an underrated baseball player from where he was once an overrated baseball player. And, and he's not getting enough love in what he's doing in his career. He's underpaid. Dare I say it, the man's underpaid. So yeah. I, I want to see a guy like Bryce in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I agree. Bryce Harper now is underrated. I used to not like Bryce Harper. I used to think he's overrated. He's got too much of an attitude, but he seems to have calmed down. And he actually performs pretty well. And Bryce Harper is awesome. So you know, you know what happened with Bryce Harper, and, and I don't know how we got here. It's it's you couldn't talk about Bryce Harper without comparing him to Mike Trout. And the minute yeah. you did that, Trout is a better player. We all know Trout's a better player, right. but anytime you brought up Harper, Trout had to be brought up, and that kind of just diminished him. It's 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 Manning and Brady. It, it's you know it, it's Agassi and, and Sampras. It's you bring one up, and the other guy's right behind. And, and I think Trout's image has suffered because of that. I mean, I'm sorry, Harper's a big. Right. All right. So really quickly, I'm going to do my predictions. Uh, I, I mean, it's no question that the Dodgers are going to make it, even though I have the Giants winning the West. I mean, the Dodgers are going to, are going to make it. And looking at these teams that are chasing the Padres, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Philadelphia, I don't really see any of these teams, even though San Diego is terrible now that they have Tatis back, I don't really see any of these teams getting over the hump. I think they're equally as troublesome as San Diego is right now. So I'm going to go with Dodgers and Padres, but I don't think the Padres are going to go as far as everybody thought they were going to go. Um, I think it'll be a very tough road for the Padres. So that rounds out our predictions. Um, we will just have to see how that happens or how this transpires through the rest of the season. And we'll have to revisit this and see if or see which one of us was right in which of these divisions. Um, let, <laughs> Henry's pointing to himself. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go to our last calls. 
And uh, so we are all going to tell a personal story about whatever about baseball. I know you guys were thinking about it. Um, do either of you have a preference? Which, which one of you want to start first on what your personal stories want to be? I can guarantee you Henry's yeah. story is probably more exciting. So start with him. <laughs> it's more frustrating than exciting because you guys uh, have known me long enough to know how much I absolutely love the World Baseball Classic. Uh -huh. um, I think it's one of the better things baseball has as a whole and one of the better things that MLB has. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the Olympics for baseball. You know, no one wants to see what we just saw, you know, represent the USA. You want to see what we get with the WBC where you get about as close to the absolute best players playing for their home country. And so I had tickets for uh, – my cousin dated a guy, and I forgot what his job was, but he would get these tickets to these meet and greets. And I met Bernie once, got an autograph for the next year was Tino. Tino was awesome, by the way. Got an autograph for. I got Beltran, and I needed, like, a wet napkin and, like, special pants to keep the wood down because you guys know how much I love Beltran. Um, and then I met Carlos Delgado. And the same way I went – to see Beltran, I went with Carlos Delgado. I had a WBC jersey on. I actually had his WBC jersey on. I had the Puerto Rico hat. Um, spoke to him in native tongue, and he was such a dick. This guy was such a dick. The mean and greed comes with an autograph ball, and he's just like, the whole time he was just like pissed off and having to sign these autographs, and he just was not interactive. And, and this was the last of the four mean and greed that I did, so you know, Tino was awesome. Bernie was awesome. Beltran was amazing. He spoke to me in English and Spanish, crack jokes. And then, you know, Delgado is just like this big letdown and this big douchebag. Uh, he was with the Mets at the time. And I, I remember just thinking, like, yo, I went home and I literally threw his jersey in the trash. Like, I, I didn't make it past, my, you know, the trash that night at home. And it was just the biggest disappointment I had meeting a baseball player. And then something that always stays with me, and it sucks because you know, the, the New York has this fake rivalry between Yankees and Mets fans and stuff like that. And either, even when they don't say it, it's Yankee fans will secretly want the Mets to lose and the Mets fans will not so secretly want the Yankees to lose. Um, and, you know, even though he was a Met, you know, he, he was a countryman and, and he was a guy that, you know, I admired when he was with Toronto and, you know, should go into the Hall of Fame, you know, and, and was a Yankee eventually. And this guy was just such a piece of crap, man, to the fans. And, and just, it's something that will always stick with me and it just turn me off so, so much. And so if you're a ball player, man, fans love that interaction. And you see a, a thousand fans a day and, and you'll never remember them. But a fan will see you one time and will always remember that interaction. So just remember that, players. Remember that, players. And remember, uh, kids, if you become a famous baseball player, don't be an asshole. Um, <laughs> that sucks because I've always kind of liked Carlos Delgado and now that I know that he's kind of a he's a jerk that really dude I I, I love him and like I said even though he played for the Mets like every time he did something good I'm like oh there's another Puerto Rican ball player doing something I really like the dude I mean saw him in Toronto and I, I was hugely disappointed to say the least bummer all right uh Vince go ahead tell your story yeah, I was going to say, Henry's like the third or fourth different source I've heard that says Carlos Delgado is a dick, too. So just, you know, I'll, I'll co-sign just based on other sources that he is indeed an, an ass. Um, 
I uh, so yeah, I wanted to tell this story because it it, it illustrates uh, I was a, I was a terrible baseball player, really good on defense, but that's like being a really good rebounder in basketball. Like it just it doesn't mean that much. Um, but I was a terrible hitter, and at least once I turned like eleven, I was just <laughs> once guys could throw like sixty, uh, I was done. But I wanted to tell the story because it kind of illustrates me as a fan in that I, like Henry had mentioned earlier, he's, he's more into the pitching stats, the pitching analytics than I am. Um, I am by no means, by the way, an anti-analytics guy. Uh, I'm not like a, I believe scouts and I'm only eye test. Like it's not like that. I just am way more into, I think a balanced approach of sometimes like just what I see. I, I don't care what the spin rate is or, or the exit velocity or you know, the exit, whatever. So my, and this is going to tie it in. And this is one of the reasons I hate Aaron Boone and the Yankees philosophy so much is that my last game ever in organized baseball was in Babe Ruth. I was, I think 14 years old, maybe turning 15 years old. And uh, I was, a, like I said, a bad hitter, probably. Yeah, you know, I would bet if it was a nine-man lineup, which it wasn't, it was probably like 10 or 11. I was like the next to last hitter in the lineup. Like that was, that was my spot. I could bunt. I could like steal bases, like do all the little stuff just so I was in a total zero. But um, I couldn't hit. And my last game of, of Little League, it's a playoff game, first round of the playoffs. We end up losing the game 12 nothing. Never forget that. We got oh, mercy. God. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. And we weren't like a bad team either. It was like a 500 team playing a team that we probably could have hung with. I don't remember what we did in the regular season, but we lost 12 nothing in like five innings. And I batted my first at bat. And I just remember it was the only time that year. And the previous year I had taken off, I like signed up too late. So I really hadn't had a good season in like three years. Um, that first at bat, you just have those at bat sometimes when you're just like good things are about to happen. And I ripped two balls foul like to left field. And then I ended up grounding out. It was just, you know, one of those pitches. <laughs> just, I just didn't uh, ground it out to shortstop. And then the coach pulled me. And <laughs> I was, I'm a very, very mellow I'm extremely competitive, but I'm very mellow on the outside when I'm when I'm competing. I was so angry that I got pulled. And it's like, how do you explain to your coach, like, hey, if you leave me in my next at bat, I guarantee you, like, I'm going to hit the ball really hard when I'm batting, like, 080 on the season, probably. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly how I felt. Like, that at bat, I was like, I, I had it figured out. The ball was like a beach ball to me. I happened to ground out. He probably would have pulled me either way. Um, but I always think about that moment when I look at analytics because it's like you, I, I could have been just terrible, you know, it, but sometimes a guy throws your speed. Sometimes it's your day. Sometimes you're just cycle. There is a psychological part to this game that I think sometimes analytics eats up a little too much of. And I see that too much with the Yankees. They're willing to go to a guy who's like three for four against someone. Uh, and the other guy might be like five for 20. But they're going to go with a three for four guy. And I'm like, all right, well, the sample size here is pretty small in both cases. Um, but the five for 20 guy might have hit two home runs like yesterday. And they'll still go with the other guy. And that's what drives me nuts about analytics is that it's math to a fault. It just sometimes like other math can be used to spin it the other way because that's kind of how statistics work. Um but I always think of that story. That's why I'll never be like fully like, okay, this is what the, the printout says. And that's exactly how Aaron Boone manages. It just, it's just like whatever makes the most sense in this 
sample size they've chosen to take, that's what he goes with. And I always think about that last at bat. I'm like, if I had one more at bat, I probably would have ended my career with a hit. Maybe we wouldn't have been shut out and things would have been a little bit better. But uh, but yeah, that was it. That was, the story. <laughs> that was a terrible hitter. I ended my career on a ground out to short, but I swear to God, if I had one more at bat, it would have at least been a fly out. So there you have it. Uh, I always, I always hate that though. You're like, you feel good at the plate and then you, you know, it doesn't pan out the way you thought it would, or, you know, you hit the ball really hard and it goes right to somebody and you're like, come on. That was like the best contact I've made in the last two weeks. So I bet you often often didn't think he was going to get two like bummer stories. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, there's our most depressing moments as, as uh, related to baseball, Austin. Thanks for having us on. <laughs> so I'll tell mine. Mine's, a little, mine's in my Little League days, uh, and I'm going to tie it into why, even though I talk some crap about the Yankees and I, you know, contribute to that Yankees ruined baseball, whatever stuff, I do have a soft spot for the Yankees because – Growing up, my father was a Yankees fan. And when I played Little League, I was always the Yankees. Oh, it never, it never, never failed. Um, whenever I played Little League, I was on the Yankees. I was on the Yankees until I think I was like 15. So I always had the pinstripes on. And I always, because he was a Yankees fan, I watched Yankee games. And, you know, Derek Jeter ended up, and is still is, my favorite player. And, you know, I just, growing up playing on the Yankees and having my father as a Yankee fan, it was, it's always given me that soft spot, soft spot for the Yankees, even though I probably shouldn't have it, but I do. And I'm always secretly rooting for them to win and do well. Um, so my Little League days... Like I said, I was on the Yankees quite a bit, and I was actually a pretty, at least decent baseball player. Um, in my Little League days, I think the last Little League season I had, I hit like a 730 average or something like that. And um, yeah, I had like 57 stolen bases or something like that. I was not a home run hitting guy. I hit two home runs my entire career. Like the entire time I played baseball, I only ever hit two homers. So me I guess too. you can call me like the D Gordon of little league. I don't know what you want to call it. Billy Hamilton. I don't know, but you know, that was, that was me. I was just a guy that was just going to get on base and be on third two pitches. So I was always good on the Yankees. And as soon as I got away from the Yankees, pretty much by the time I got to high school, it all fell apart for me. Whether it was politics or statistics-wise or whatever, it all just fell apart and I didn't have the right coaches and I ended up not making it as a professional baseball player. You know, I'm just sitting here talking about baseball. So, you know, I'm not a professional baseball player. And it was always really interesting because I always look back to those Yankees days and I'm like, I wonder if it's because I had the Yankee uniform on that I did as good as I did as a little leaguer. So you know yes that's the answer the answer is yes that's what it put on the pinstripes magic happens it's it's those pinstripes that's what it is so anthony rizzo anthony rizzo (laughs) wants to retire yankee already yeah yeah that's what i've heard so you know 
I'll, I'll always be an Angel fan. I don't really, there really is going to, it's going to take a lot for me not to be an Angel fan, but I have that soft spot for the Yankees because of my little league days. So thank you, dad. <laughs> yeah. But is it like two generational talents and no playoff appearances? I was going to say that it's pretty evident it's going to take a lot for you not to be an Angels fan based on yeah. your last decade. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So I think that concludes our last call. Do you guys have any last remarks? Maybe, uh, maybe you guys should just plug Dong City and let's get at it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Dong City every, every other Wednesday for now. Um, Wednesday at Baseball Life. I just want to thank you for having us on and uh, being a, a very vital part of our baseball community that we have. Um, and, you know, um, I love that you're doing the podcast for yourself. Um, it's a wonderful thing. And, and just you know, thanks for having us on and, and wish you continued success. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I echo those sentiments. I, um, Podcasts can be whatever you want them to be. <laughs> you know, I think people get caught up in them for the wrong reasons sometimes. Um, but it, it's whatever, you know, it, it's for me, it's therapeutic. It's cathartic. There's things that I bottle up all week watching the game that I know I want to talk about. It's why we talk about the Yankees probably so much. It's more for my own therapy for free. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm Thank you for your contributions. I think you're doing a great job. It was really fun to be on here and I uh, wish you the best of luck. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. I really, I really appreciate that. You know, I really appreciate baseball life because, you know, and I've told a few people this, it's not very often that I get to talk about baseball the way we talk about baseball and baseball life, because most of the time when in, in, in the general public, when you talk about baseball, the way we do, people think you're nuts. You know, because, you know, people just think you're crazy because you talk so in depth about baseball and, you know, the general public has no idea what you're talking about. So baseball life is a great place to talk about, you know, whether you're a new fan or, you know, you've been watching for 40 years, there's, there's a place in baseball life for you. And I really, really appreciate that. And it's really that, that has really shown me my true love for baseball and why I started this podcast. So, you know, I don't make any money right now off of this podcast. I just do it because it's fun. So, you know, and much like what you guys do, you guys, I'm sure you guys do it because you love talking about baseball and you, you know, it's fun. So, you know, I, I really appreciate those sentiments and listen to Dong City. They're on Spotify and probably anywhere else you listen to your podcast um, and make your way over to the Baseball Life Group. You're not going to regret it because they've got some really great people there. All right, that Thank you, brother. no problem, man. That can that concludes uh, this episode of the Round Trippers podcast, and coupled with Dong City, um, it sounds like they're that they're going to have this as their Dong City episode. Am I incorrect in that? No, it sounds like a plan. All right, we're this week's Dong City. A little bit longer of a trip, so that, there you go. So you've listened to yeah. Round Trippers and Dong City at the same time, um, and that concludes the episode. So until next time, guys. Thank you, and have a good day. See ya.